Hi, everybody. We're here in my home with one of my closest friends, Jean Slater. And the reason we're having this conversation today is because I'm a big believer in divination if it's done correctly. And most of the time, it's not. And Jean, I consider to be perhaps the most profound person on the planet in really putting the protocols together to ask the right questions. If you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. So without further ado, Jean is sitting right next to me. Thanks for coming over this Sunday morning, Jean. It's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here and talking about one of my favorite subjects. Oh my God! I mean, you wrote the you wrote the original book, Hiring the Heavens, which was a wonderful little book. Was it by New World Library? Yes, it was by New World Library, mm -hmm. and it just Oprah. A lot of people read it. It was just an amazing little guide to how to tap into your intuition. But you've taken it so much deeper over the years where you're offering very extensive, deep courses on using this for life coaching and a number of things. But part of it, where you've kind of landed with it, is the notion of transcendental intelligence. So describe what transcendental intelligence is. Yeah, well, this yeah. was a term that was actually given to me by my higher guidance. I was sitting out on my porch one morning and thinking about, okay, what is this where we tap into this something beyond our intellect? You know, what is that? And there's all sorts of terms that we have for it. We think of sixth sense. We think of intuition. We think of, you know, even God, source, angels, guides. What is this something beyond the intellect? And I was actually asking for a term that would be neutral enough mm -hmm. that it wouldn't have a charge to it. You know, some terms like God, people don't want to use that word. Right. You know, they say the universe, they don't want to use that word. Or angels, that's got too much baggage behind it. So, so I needed a neutral term. So I'm just sitting there in my meditation. I asked, well, what term could I use? And they said transcendental intelligence. And it, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got our IQ. Right. We've got our EQ. And now we've got our TQ. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we need to develop this because this is actually your greatest untapped resource. You know, it is an aspect of yourself that we rarely talk about. All of our time growing up is spent increasing our intelligence, the logic mind, right? Uh -huh. We're not taking a lot of time to explore this transcendental intelligence and raise our TQ. Absolutely. It's just not taught. Mm -hmm. So we already understand the need for it, which is if you're going to try to have a life that makes any sense, you've got to be listening to a higher, a higher part of yourself, right? And so you're looking at the access points, the bridges in between. And you say the idea is a lot of people are really intimidated by their intuition and they try things, they give up really quickly. Why is that? Well, we've all heard stories of near-death experiences where someone comes back from from being dead and now all of a sudden they're changed and they're clairvoyant and they're psychic and they're able to channel voices and or we've heard of people that are just born with that psychic gift and so if you're not one of those people <laughs> you think to yourself well I can't be intuitive because I wasn't born with the gift and I just you know I certainly don't want to go through a near-death experience so it feels intimidating but what I want people to know is this is a gift that is available to everyone. And we simply need the tools, simply need the tools to know how to access this information. And second, they often become disillusioned because if they do try to explore through divination tools or intuitive tools, they can become disillusioned because... Um, they get information that turns out to be incorrect, yeah, bogus, bogus, you know, or, you know, they just feel like um, nothing's coming through. They're completely blank. And so they give it up and they say, well, that's not for me. I'm mm -hmm. not intuitive. Well, the reason that that happens is because they don't understand how higher guidance communicates. I agree with that. And they also don't ask the right questions. I mean, that's the thing about the way you develop protocols is that they're so specific that you literally have to trap your own mind into telling the truth, your own higher yeah. mind into telling the truth, because it's kind of like a check and a cross-check, right? I, absolutely. And I do that. I'll ask it one way, and then I'll ask it the other way. And I'll make sure that I understand what I think I'm being told. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because that's the big that's the big one. Does he love me? Does he love me? God, you know, a lot of it's like pulling daisy yeah. petals for a yeah. lot of people. And of course, it's not. Yeah. Now, this is kind of controversial. I think, yeah, as you say, you know, everyone says all of the answers are within, right? Yeah, and what you say is that is not true. It's not. Well, it's not that it's not true. It's entirely misleading. It's misleading. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about yeah. why that's misleading. Because most people think, wait a minute, I have heard that. For the last 20 years since I've been studying metaphysics, all the answers are within. No. No. Well, yes, you have all the answers within, but I'm going to go on to say that you can't get to them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the reason you can't get to them using your mind, your intellectual mind to get to them is because we are so conditioned. Your thoughts are not your own. (laughs) You think that they are, but they are not. You're so conditioned by society, by your parents, your peers, uh, by certain stories that you've heard. And you think this is your reality, but it's really not. And um, you need to have a way to get outside your mind, out of your head, (laughs) to get that higher view. Um, I was watching a YouTube video by Dan Simon, I believe is his last name. And he did this really famous experiment called the Missing Gorilla. Have you ever seen it? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. real quickly, it's about... Um, an experiment that was done where an audience is asked to watch a group of six people passing a basketball amongst themselves. Three are wearing uh, white t-shirts, three are wearing black. And the audience is asked, only count the ones that um, the basketball being passed between the white t-shirts. Now, while they're running around in a circle, passing the basketball, and you're intently watching how many times the basketball is being passed, a gorilla walks into the middle of the circle, right. thumps its chest, is there for a total of seven seconds, and then walks off. Afterwards, they ask the participants, the audience, um, did you see the gorilla? And only 50% of them saw the gorilla. This is what life is like, you know? What happens is that our viewpoint is so limited. Dan Daniel says that if you hold your thumb out, you see everything else around you, but what you only can focus on is about the size of your thumb. Mm-hmm. And that's your viewpoint of life. And so here it is, you're trying to get to your truth. You're trying to get to your answers. But if your viewpoint is so limited, and on top of that, your thoughts are not your own and they're conditioned by what society is saying and what your parents mm-hmm. are saying and all of that sort of thing, then um, how is it that you're supposed to reach your truth? You can't. And when I'm working with clients, this is what I see over and over again. You know, I'll ask them certain questions like, well, why do you think that's happening? And they'll come back with a canned answer, something that they've heard before, something that maybe sounded good, or worse, they'll believe that they tend to think that it's all their fault and that they're going to blame themselves that what's going on is because of some deficiency on their part. Mm -hmm. When you get outside the mind and go to a higher view, you receive the absolute truth. And at times, it is so astounding that it will just take your breath away. You'll just, you'll feel the truth of it ring through your body, almost like a sound wave. And you'll know that that is the truth, but you couldn't get to it on your own. And you know, what is that saying that if you try to solve a problem with the same logic that created it, you're just spinning your wheels, right? Mm -hmm. This is why it's so important to get a higher view. Because I think there's a misunderstanding that that people, well, do not understand for the most part. Most people don't understand. They think that their conscious, as you say, their conscious thoughts are their intention. They're trying to dedicate themselves to their intention without taking into consideration what the soul is wishing to do. The higher part came here to do something, to learn and to grow and to develop and to contribute. And the conscious mind isn't necessarily attached to that. It's more attached to creating a life that they enjoy, that's beautiful, that has ease to it. That is not the intention of the soul at all. And it puts us in immediate kind of uh, almost like a cognitive dissonance within ourselves between this part that's trying to work through us and then the conscious mind that's working counter to the other part, right? 
Oh, yeah. So if you ask somebody, well, what is it that you want to achieve here? What are your goals? Well, I want to be making X amount of money with ease and I want to have this kind of a lifestyle and everything. They describe a lifestyle that's all about ease and almost like you're in that, that everything just comes to you. And I think that's one of the misconceptions about the law of attraction that if you just think yourself into oh, attracting all this goodness into your life, that that's where you're going to have a sense of of happiness. Well, even though we profess that that's what we want, it isn't what we want. It's <laughs> you know? not what our deeper part <laughs> It wants. isn't what we want. And we want a challenge. We want to have a sense of accomplishment. We want to know that that what we are doing uh, has purpose, that it matters, that we have to dig down deep within ourselves to find something that we never even knew existed and bring it forth. And we discover more about who we are and what it is that we have to give. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, I think about it in terms of puzzles. You know, I love puzzles. (laughs) And because I love puzzles and like, recent one I put together was 4,000 pieces. If you knew I loved puzzles and you gave me a 50-piece puzzle for five-year-olds, you know, for a present, I would look at this and assume you meant this for one of my grandkids. (laughs) You wouldn't want to give that to me because, you know, that would not be a challenge. I mean, why would I even bother putting it together? Well, the same is in our life. We have this gift of life. And would our soul say, okay, just let me come to this amazing gift and give it all to me like a 50-piece puzzle. Right. I'm going to be able to put it together in no time. And voila, I'm sitting there in bliss. No, we want a challenge. We don't like to admit that, but we want a challenge. Well, almost on this planet, almost no one really grows mm-hmm. except through contrast or challenge of some kind. Mm-hmm. And even when it looks like someone has the perfect life on the outside, it's never true. There have always been challenges underneath the surface that they've had to work through. And you can get to the point where life takes on kind of a complexion of ease and beauty and so forth. But you usually have worked fairly hard to get to that position and you're still working at it. Absolutely. And it's not, you know, this is a journey. And that's a really important thing to understand. It's about, uh, it's not about that destination, but it is about that journey. And you never get to that point where you say, okay, that's it. I know everything I need to know. Right, right. (laughs) I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. If you do, you know, it's about, that's about the time that you want to leave the planet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what I think is kind of interesting, I, uh, I read an article recently about the opioid, opioid addiction, uh, especially in this country. And, um, you know, it was interesting because they said that in order to understand why there is such a problem, we have to understand what opioids do. Opioids are an escape. Mm-hmm. They're an escape from this world. reality. Yes. Yeah, and reality. And... Um, first responders are never thanked for bringing somebody out of that escape, you know? So the question is, is why do we want to escape this life? If this life is supposed to be, you know, the, the ultimate is getting to that point where you've got a life of ease, why then do we want to escape it? Mm-hmm. Well, I find that interesting. I mean, I think there are so many so many rabbit holes you can go down yeah. there. One is being constantly programmed with disinformation. So information coming at a speed the brain can't even handle, no less the emotions. The soul's not operating on that level. To have digital information thrown at us continually, a lot of it is meant to persuade, manipulate, and so forth. And it confuses. Almost all of it makes people feel less than. All the religions make people feel less than, for the most part, right? And then, you know, you have this notion of just the financial system alone, that it's to, it's so painful to have to do things you don't like to do just to be able to keep a roof over your head. And you can see why the spirit of human beings has become exhausted. Right. Too much information, like you said, that's coming at us, trying to program us into an idea of what life is supposed to be like. Right. And then we're disappointed. Right. Right. Then we're disappointed we don't get that life. 
Right. And feel at some point, you know, like, okay, well, either I just give up or, um, you know, there's something deficient in me because I don't have that. Yeah. And what we're not told is that it was never about that in the first place. No. And that's where I think it's nice to have a bit of a perspective in terms of past lives. You know, because I've, I've mucked around in a lot of past lives over the last 30 years or so. And this one time I remember, and again, it's by contrast, we look at what we think we need in this lifetime to have a, a good life. We don't need that much for the most part. We just don't need much by way of the material world to have a good life. And in this one, this one life, I was an Arab rug merchant. And I had a, my competitor was my ex-husband, my son's father, in that lifetime. And we lived to cheat each other out of clients. You know, we lied. We did everything we could to steal a client away from the other person. And so we went to the market each day, and that was our passion, and that was yeah. our joy. It was, you know, you do yeah. what you have to do, but you're going to steal his yeah. his purchase. And when he died, um, I remember in viewing this life, I was brokenhearted. I don't think I lived a, very long after mm-hmm. that, and I was a man. Mm-hmm. I had a nice wife, and I lived in kind of a hovel, simple little place, nice rug or two. And um, I just found such satisfaction in the simple life of competition with another Mm -hmm. rug merchant. And once the competition Mm -hmm. was gone, I didn't care if I sold rugs anymore. Mm -hmm. It was a game we played in a lifetime. So for us, it was a silly game that made that life worthwhile in a very, very simple life. And it would seem not only meaningless, but also unscrupulous. (laughs) But fun and joyful. Yes. And what you're bringing out here is what I think we need to emphasize as the marker of success. Mm -hmm. What if the marker of success was not how big your house was and how much money you had in the bank and what your retirement account looked like and all of that? What if your marker of success was the amount of joy you had in your life? Yeah. And it's not just joy with giggles and laughter and all that, but joy from sense of accomplishment, joy from knowing that that you have brought something out in yourself that you didn't know existed before, that you overcame some sort of challenge that you had, that kind of transcendent joy that you sit back in your in your chair afterwards and you say, I did that. I, I accomplished that. Yeah. And that brings a type of deep sense of fulfillment and joy. What if that were our marker of success? <laughs> That's true. And for me, that is a big marker of success. You know, doing what we've come to do, doing your dharma, doing it as well as you possibly can. And you sleep well. Mm-hmm. There's a type of peace and satisfaction yes. that comes with that. doesn't mean that you don't have to maybe push yourself still into new areas to get the fire back now and then. But that deep satisfaction of knowing you're doing what you came to do. But... You have to get to that point of truth. I have one more question for you here. And you say that we have to shift our understanding. And I think that's what you were just talking about. Shift our understanding about what life is actually offering us. Now, before we start writing down our little tick list on what we have to have in our life. Absolutely. That's the who we really are is a spiritual being having a human experience. Mm -hmm. We've all heard that. But we don't actually live that way. (laughs) The way we live is from this human experience, and that's that conditioning, the marketing, the media, and all that, that says this is what you do as a human. Mm -hmm. But if we shift that perspective to our spiritual selves and we ask ourselves, what is it that I'm doing here? Something very different comes forth. That's where we get into purpose. That's where we get into understanding that we are a creator. We are a creator of experience. All of this is the experience that we are having for us, created by us, in order to know the truth of something. How else are you going to know the truth of something except by living it? Right. You know, you have to, there's no, wisdom comes not from reading a book, very rarely, but by living it. And when you live something, then you know it. And that is why we are creators of experience, so that we can know the truth of that. And so whatever's going on in life, rather than looking at it as a random series of events that you're being victimized by, ask yourself, 
If I created this as a spiritual being, I actually invited this experience in so that I can know the truth of something. What is it I'm wanting to know? Mm -hmm. What wisdom am I wanting to gain from this? What gems are waiting there for me? That's the understanding that we have to have about life is that this isn't just uh, random. There's actually great purpose. You know, um, I think that we all sell ourselves short. You know, um, what if we are so much wiser than we ever imagined that when we are in an experience, rather than saying to ourselves, oh, my God, that was really stupid of me or that was really, you know, what, it, you know, I was really I, don't, I can't even explain why that was going on. What if we think of ourselves as being incredibly wise that we had purpose in inviting that experience, that we actually knew what we were doing. <laughs> that was no, everything. I think we can assume that yeah. the soul knows what it's yeah. doing in inviting it in. Yeah. If something has not mm -hmm. been, is if we're refusing to look at something, acknowledge it, build from it, learn from it or whatever, it will set up a circumstance where you have to learn it. And so why not give ourselves credit and say, yeah, Thank you. Okay, now I'll, now I'll start looking into this. You know, I've avoided it up to this point, right? The soul has amazingly ingenious ways of getting our attention and really taking us down the right path to learn what has to be learned. And nobody escapes it. No. No. So, okay. So let's talk about the notion of using divination toward this, because we have a lot of little fun tools here today. And the quality of questions, as you always say, and as I said in the open, really determines what's going to happen. So maybe let's speak philosophically about that for just a moment. Most people get their pendulum out. Should I buy this house? Should I take this job? Yes. Oh, good. You know, kind of done with that. Right. Done and dusted. But if you don't know yourself and you don't know how to calm that place of Mm, expectation. There's a difference between expectation and attachment. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important right. factor to distinguish. You can expect a good outcome, but if you're attached to the outcome, there's this kind of emotional baggage that goes with it that's it's hard to get around. So let's talk about asking the right question. So the let's just take a very simple example here. Um, if you ask the question, why is this happening to me? Or uh, like, I'm going to bring up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The author says that if you ask, why don't I have money to do something? Your brain, your intuitive mind will go to work to answer that question. Right. But that's not really what you're wanting. You're wanting to switch that question to how. How can I have the money I desire? Or how can this experience be more? Um, how can I get more from this experience? What is it that I'm wanting to know? Switching the words that you're using will change the focus of the answer. And um, so when people are asking questions, usually they stick with yes and no questions and those are so limited right you have to ask a lot of them <laughs> back yourself them. into the right corner and and the problem is that when higher guidance is trying to communicate with you and you are only asking yes and no questions rather than these big overarching questions like the how and the what um instead what higher guidance will come back with are confusing answers and this is when people end up giving up mm -hmm. Because some examples. Of yeah, that. a yes doesn't necessarily mean a yes, and a no doesn't necessarily mean a no. It's kind of like playing 21 questions when you were a kid, and you're thinking of an animal, and it's an alligator, and I ask you, does it live in the water? And you go, well, yes, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so here's your higher guidance stuck with this same quandary if you're asking a yes and no question. And what your higher guidance is trying to do is lead you to an understanding. So what your higher guidance will do is maybe give you a no when it really is a yes and maybe give you a yes when it really is a no in order for you to take that next step. One time I was working with a client and um, he was having all sorts of heart issues and digestive issues. And what my dowsing said when I contacted his higher guidance is that it had to do with the food that he was eating. 
So I went through all the major categories of foods. Is it a protein? Is it a fat? Is it a fruit? Is it a vegetable? Is it a, you know, man-made chemical? You know, I was trying to narrow it down and I kept getting no, no, no. It wasn't any of those things. Well, I'm an experienced enough dowser to know guidance was trying to give me a message, dig deeper. So again, I asked, okay, does it have to do with the food? Yes. So again, going down the categories of every possible food, no, none of those. So now I'm stuck. Yes, it's a food, but no, it's not. It's not (laughs) anything we know. Right, right. Well, when I got the answer, the answer was it's any food cooked in a microwave. Oh, interesting. And he was eating a lot of microwave Yes, he was. So... Here was an example. Higher Guidance was trying to get me to the right answer. And so was it really an, uh, was it really a protein? Was it really a fat? Absolutely. It was all of those things, but I needed that further information that it was cooked in a microwave. Would I have pursued that if I had been given a yes? No. So, so what Higher Guidance does is Sometimes give you a no, sometimes give you a, a yes when the absolute truth is different. Right. But it just give you what you need to hear to yes. take the next step. Yes. And I think that's really critical. Just yes. like, and I find that too with my own guidance in that, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, you have a continuum. Mm-hmm. You have events that are going to fold out in your life. And sometimes you'd like to have a heads up from the, what the soul's working on, what's out here. It will never give me what's out there. It only gives me what's mm-hmm. right here to do the very next step. Right. And once that step happens and I really implement it, put myself into it, then the energy comes into motion to create the next thing. Because it always re- it has to do with our participation, right? And it has to do with our um, energy movement toward that. Because it can see a trajectory, the likelihood of things right. happening, the probability. Right. But you can't say with certainty what's three or four steps out. The soul cannot if you don't engage in each step along the way. That, that's exactly right. And um, the main thing is follow the lead of your higher guidance. Mm-hmm. Just keep following the lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this whole notion, too, of like we, we, are, we are fixed in what we think we're the direction we're going. And um, we have that mindset of, okay, this is where I'm going. But if we can just take the next step, something else will be revealed that we couldn't see. Exactly. We absolutely could not even see. It wasn't even on the radar. Um, One of the things that I do when I am working with a client talking about asking the right questions is get this higher view right from the beginning. And the way that I do this is that I liken it to uh, doing owning a home. Mm-hmm. When you own a home, um, there's certain things that you realize you have to get fixed. You've got a leak in the roof. Right. Before the rains come, you've got to get that fixed. Um, you've got uh, some dry rot going on. You've got to get that fixed. These are priorities, right? And then there are things that you'd like to do cosmetically. They're not priorities, but you sure would like to do that because they're more fun and be more fun and you would enjoy it more. You want to remodel your kitchen. Doesn't have to be done, but boy, you sure want to do it. But Regina, if you have a fire in the back room, all that goes out the door, right? Right. You have to get that fire out now. Otherwise, you're not even going to have a house to deal with. So when I tune in to someone's energy field, that's what I start with. Are there any fires? Mm-hmm. And the fires might or might not have anything to do with what their current issue is. Like somebody might be uh, curious about what's going on in their relationship. And um, they've got a fire going on that has to do with um, some, you know, health issue that, they're, that they don't think is even connected in any way to their relationship. Right. And yet their guidance is saying, if you don't get that taken care of, you're not even going to have a body to deal with a relationship. So we have to get the fires out first. So I ask questions like, are there any fires? If so, how many? Where are they located? And usually when I look for something, I take the broadest and then narrow it down. So I start with all the subtle bodies. Is it physical? Is it etheric? Is it emotional? Is it mental? Is it spiritual? If 
find out where this fire is located. If there aren't any fires, then we go to priorities. Okay. Are there mm -hmm. priorities? If so, how many? Where is it located? And we just kind of go down the list until we get to the time to look at cosmetics. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So that said, um, we need to forget about we need to forget about an objective truth, and that's what we're talking about here. Forget about what is an objective truth. You need to go with the truth of that moment that will inspire you to take the next correct action. Right. And that is a whole different thing. It is, and yeah. I have a story about that that was just pretty astounding to me. Um, I had been working with a client for quite some time, and her higher guidance said that it was time to divorce her husband. Now, rarely do I get such strong advice. Uh, she, her husband had some addiction issues and they'd been dealing with it for years. And higher guidance came in and said, it's time, leave. She acted on that. She told her husband she's leaving. I'm done. That was the impetus that the husband needed to finally seek help. Now, here for years, she'd been asking her husband to get help, never did it. But when she said, I want a divorce, then he sought help. And I'm happy to say that they are together still. Yeah. So when she came back for the next appointment, higher guy says, okay, now you can stay. So it was like she got the information she needed to be emphatic with her husband and say, I'm leaving. Now, what if higher guidance had said to her, you know, just tell your husband you're leaving. Don't really leave. <laughs> Just no, like, no it wasn't completely different yeah. energy. So you're yeah. told what you need to know to take the next step, which is what she did, which isn't the truth that she needed to leave her husband. What needed to happen was that her husband needed to have the impetus to change. She needed to do it with conviction. Yes. So that he believed it was true, so that he could have the impetus to right. change. Right. And this is really hard because people say, oh, my pendulum lied to me or my car yes. lied to me. No, they didn't lie to you. No. If you listened and followed that out, you would see the wisdom in them. And so now let's look at how to use these things wisely. Okay, we're going to start with our pendulums. Jean and I each brought our favorite pendulums. Mine is one that my mentor in life, Madame Valabovi, one of the wildest women I've ever met, gave me. Well, her family gave to me upon her death because they said I could have anything I wanted out of the estate. And she, that's the pendulum I was first exposed to the whole notion of divination with. And that's how I found out I was able to have a child. So that is, she was given this back in the 1940s by a radionic specialist in Paris to find out about her kids' food allergies. Mm. So this is already about 80 years old at least. So that's mine, and I do it one way. Now let's look at yours and how you do your penduluming. This was actually my first pendulum. When I learned to douse, um, you know, they all said to, you know, find a pendulum. And um, they said to pick out one that you were attracted to. Mm -hmm. So I happened to be at a dowsing convention where they had uh, these vendors with lots and lots of different mm -hmm. pendulums. I went through all of them, all the crystals and, and whatnot, and none of them appealed to me. And I saw this one and I had to have it. And that's how you want to choose your yes. pendulum. Um, it, this is hematite and hematite is very grounding and what I needed at that time was something that was very grounding. Well, now this pendulum's too heavy for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As yes. I would imagine that yeah. one is. No, I choose lighter stones and yes. such because yes. it is so heavy. Yes. But um, when I use a pendulum, uh, and I have a whole course on, on learning how to, to douse, um, my philosophy is the less rules there are, the better. Do what feels right to you. Some people are taught that a, a counterclockwise spin is a no and a clockwise spin is a yes. And other people are taught up and down and, uh, and horizontal as your yes and no. Well, the point is you're the programmer. First of all, there is no power in the pendulum itself. No power. You're the instrument. The information is coming through you. And the pendulum is nothing more than a meter that you're reading. 
So that's a really important thing to uh, understand. And the other part is, is that you are actually the one moving it through a tiny little micro muscle twitches. Exactly. Yeah. So you can program this muscle what you want to see as a yes and what you want to see as a no. Mm -hmm. So when people say mistakenly think that, oh, uh, this pendulum has some kind of mystical power, it doesn't. It's just you. And that's one of the things that I just love about it. Um, and you get to say, what is your yes? What is your no? So that's really important. So the pendulum, in my opinion, is one of the most self-empowering tools on the planet. I agree with you. I've been using it about 30 years. However, you know, you get to... You get to the, you do get down to a lot of yes and no's, like you did on these foods and so forth. And like you said, the answer is usually much more complex than that. So how do you get beyond the standard yes and no responses? Oh, great question. Yeah. Inter oracles. <laughs> so the beauty of a pendulum is that yes, you can get your specific yeses and nos. So um, and uh, if I'm asking my higher guidance, well. What is it that I need to know about what's going on here in my relationship, what's going on with finances, what's going on in my career? Whatever my question is, I'll ask, can I get a clue? That's one of my mm -hmm. first places I start. Can I get a clue? And I'll use my pendulum to, to get the answer. And the answer will be usually, yes, I can get a clue. Okay, where can I get that clue? I have a whole assortment of oracles. And the reason I have so many, yes, I'm a bit obsessive, I have over 60 oracles. <laughs> uh, you just got a few. I just got a few today. Yeah. Okay. But the reason I have so many is because I'm looking for words. Higher guidance is looking for words. Higher guidance is looking for the exact oracle in the, on the exact page that will give me the words that will mean the most to me. So what I'll do with my pendulum is I'll narrow it down. Can I get it from an oracle? Can I get it from runes? Can I get it from my dowsing book? Can I get it from another book? Because all I'm looking for is words. So any book will work. Then once I've narrowed down what oracle I'm going to get the words from, then I go ahead and if I'm using uh, an oracle deck, I'll lay the cards out, I'll pull the card. But then I don't just read it like you would normally. What I do is I take my pendulum and I find what I'm supposed to read. So there might be three or four pages having to do with that card, but I'll use my pendulum to say, okay, what, what am I supposed to read? Is it on this page, this page, that page? What paragraph? And sometimes it's just a sentence. But when you narrow it down to what that sentence is, it's again that kind of an experience where the truth just goes through you like a shockwave. It's like, oh my God. I remember one time uh, I um, was having a gathering of women and um, we each pulled a card that was going to be the theme of what we were going to be working on for that weekend. And, uh, and then I doused what I was supposed to read for that person about that card. And for one lady, it wasn't about the divination meaning. Instead, it was just a description of the card. And I thought, well, this is really odd. And it went to one particular sentence. And I'm thinking in my head, really? This is what I'm supposed to read? And all I was describing was the name of the saint that was in the picture on the card. I'm thinking, should I really say this? Right. <laughs> That's all it's talking about. So even with my head, I, I put my head, head on. Away yeah, 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 I did. So, but I read it to her and then I looked up and the tears were streaming down her face. She said that two days prior, she had had a reading where uh, this psychic told her who her guide was, mm -hmm. the name of her guide, mm -hmm. and she discounted it. Oh, and there it was. I was validation. Re repeating it to her. It, you know, it's fascinating, and it, because your subconscious and the, and your higher mind and soul are so much more clever than the conscious mind. This is the dumbest bit for the most part <laughs> that we have. It's great to get through Earth life, but it's not the most intelligent part, right? It's so all the, 
Yes, very limited. And these incredibly creative solutions are there all the time. And I'm going to give one example of something where I didn't have any divination tools with me. I was in a very awkward situation in Canada, in Vancouver, and the person I was supposed to meet didn't show up. And I thought, wow, what's going on? I just flown in and everything. It was, it was awkward. So I went to the Chapters bookstore, New Chapters bookstore, I guess, no chapters. And uh, I was just wandering and I thought, well, let my hand be my divination guide. I thought if there's a message for me in this store of books. And so I used my hand and saw this one book of tables, I mean, table of books. And then I ran my hand over it until I started feeling heat and energy coming out of a book. I picked this book up randomly. I opened it to a random page and it told me this story about what happened, what this person was up to, which was duplicitous, right? And that's, I found out about five hours later, that's exactly what the situation was that I was completely unaware of. And so in this case, my being dialed in, the message was in a book, open it up, and it was just like that without any tools. So like you say, you're the tool anyway. It's that these little guys can help us quickly access the information right. without having to rely on something as wild as going to a bookstore and having yeah. something fall off on the floor in front of us or something. Right, yeah. right. That, that's an amazing story. And what that confirmed for you is that you truly are being spoken to. Oh, yeah. You know, people will feel skeptical. They'll say, well, if I'm going to pull a card, that's just random. Seriously, <laughs> how is that really some kind of divination? But what they're doing is they're limiting their experience to in human terms, right? which would be random. But let's get back to who we really are. We're exactly. a spiritual being, okay? Right. And from that point of view, it is not random. In fact, I have pulled the same two cards for the same question over and over to the point where I ran the statistics and the p probability of that happening was something like one in 73 million. <laughs> you right. know, there will be no doubt in your mind that you, that you are truly being spoken to. So I think part of it is you really have to have just a sense of calmness, fun, and faith going on here. Like, I'm just going to try this. And what happens is over time, just practicing, using your tools, you end up with the validation you're looking for. Then you can relax and say, ah, okay, this is speaking to me now with confidence. Oh, yeah. And um, come from the assumption that your higher guidance really is trying to get a message yeah. to you. I recently had lunch with a friend that I hadn't seen for seven years. And we did this little exercise where she discovered or her higher guidance was able to tell her that um, she had a very low degree of ability to ask for what she wanted. I saw the shock on her face because she prided herself on knowing what she wanted and being able to ask for it. And she goes, I don't think that's true. I think I do have the capacity to ask for what I want. And I go, okay, let's pay attention to what's really happening here. It's always about a communication. Your higher guidance is trying to communicate to you. So if we were to put you on an absolute scale, how do you rank for your ability to ask for what you want compared to, you know, the majority of people? Maybe you're way, way high. We're not on an absolute scale here. Your higher guidance is trying to communicate to you. So if your higher guidance wanted to get your attention <laughs> and say, hey, there's an area of your life where you're not asking for what you want, what would that be? When I shifted that, you could see the wheels turning. I got a beautiful email from her just two days after that and said, I took that to heart and I could clearly see where I was not asking for what I wanted. And I can't tell you how good I feel about things now. <laughs> so yeah. that's it. It's yeah. like, and that's why, again, people get disillusioned because they think, well, you know, I'm not being the, told the truth here. It's a communication. What is it that your higher guidance wants you to know? And again, we're looking for words. Um, first time I taught my son how to douse and uh, how to pick from a tarot card, uh, he was um, going into high school. And um, I said, well, here's how you do it. Just think of the question that you want to ask and then pull a card. 
Just lay the cards out. Don't think about it. Don't get your mind engaged. Just pick a card. So he did, and he read the answer, and it was so profound. It was just exactly in answer to the question he had. And then the skepticism came in. My little 13-year-old sat back and said, Ah, but mom, if I ask this question again, I'm going to pull a different card. You know, it's just... Yeah, sure. And that's just make natural. Yeah. That's natural. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably true. And if you pick a different card, it's something else your higher guidance wants you to know. So let's just try it again. So he put the cards, uh, the card he drew back in the deck, shuffled them, asked his question, laid the cards oh. out, drew the same card. Oh, yeah. He threw it down. He goes, okay, <laughs> now that is freaky. <laughs> And that, and that is how it works. Mm-hmm. So just just to give people an idea, we're going to take a look in a second here at some of the different uh, divination decks you have and books you use, because I see one from a dear friend of mine, too. So let's take a peek. Okay, we've got them all set up. And the reason I, I said something is because we both love Belinda's work. So Belinda Momax book and all those little exercises in there are part of your divination pack. This one, this is a great book, Dale Olson. You turned me on to it. This is so precise. Talk about protocols, asking if you can ask the question, when to ask it, right down to viruses and percentages on answers. And this is probably the most practical quantities, uh, time factors. So that's uh, the pendulum charts by Dale Olson. One one of the most useful. Absolutely. I think that I uh, personally have kept this business, or kept this book in print. Probably, you tell everyone about it, and it's worth buying. It, I have two. I, yeah, I, I like I have about five of them. <laughs> so that's one, and, and then, like we said, Belinda's Wonderful Exercises, Animal Speak. Animal Speak, I've got Love Poems. Any talk at all will yeah. work. Yeah. So you use a pendulum, and so what you do is you ask, okay, you find out where can I get the information I need? Oh, it's in Belinda's book. Okay. Find out how many pages there are. There's 170 pages. Okay. Then you narrow down the page. And yeah. with your pendulum, you just ask, okay, is it in on page one to 100? No, page one to 150. Yes. And you narrow down the page, go to the page. Don't even look at what's there. Just say, what am I supposed to read? Is it in this part of the book or page, this part? And you narrow down to the paragraph, read that paragraph. Yeah. That is when, that's when it comes back and you just get shivers because it's so incredibly accurate. So any book will work as a divination tool. Um, there are runes. I love runes. There's something so magical about putting your and hands you have in a bag. This is by Ralph Blum. It's particularly yes. like a room. Yes, I just love the feeling of runes. But it's just one more example of a divination tool. And uh, there's a book that goes along with it. That's wonderful. There's the I Ching. Now, the I Ching, I will tell you, is complicated. Yeah, it is complicated. It's complicated. But I will say... The first time I used the I Ching, it changed my life. Okay, now, um, let's see, Paul uh, O'Brien, who I've interviewed a couple of times, Mm -hmm. invented an app called the Visionary I Ching, and you can just download it on your phone or your iPad, and it's the same thing. If it's something that needs to be said, it'll come up again and again, twice in the same reading. And so you can use it even virtually because it works through the field of consciousness. And you don't have to go through the whole process of figuring no. it out. Are there it'll short lines, broken lines, all that? No, it'll tell you present yeah. and future. Yeah. And cool. it's, it's a beautiful app, really. Yeah. It's very useful. Yeah. Um, when I was introduced to the I Ching, I went through the whole process of throwing the coins, figuring out the whole, you know, what are broken lines. And it was quite such a, a long process. I finally got to one tiny little paragraph. And I can tell you what it said, because it changed my life. It said, it is time now for you to share with the world the spiritual insights you have received. Wow. After all that. <laughs> Talk about goosebumps, you know, and that's why I am now a spiritual teacher. I wasn't, I had no idea that's what I was here to do. When I read that from the I Ching, it changed my life. Yeah, they're amazing. And it's profound. And this is probably in Sedona for years. We'd all go to the Osho Cafe in the morning and have this wonderful pastry, these pastries and such. And that deck was there 
on the counter and everybody just play with it. Yeah. So it had thousands of hands yeah. on it. And that is a wonderful deck. I love this. It's not your traditional tarot, mm-hmm. but I love what it has to say. I love the way that it's presented. I love medicine cards. These are incredible. Um, I just brought these oracles that are from some of my favorite authors like Colette Baron-Reed mm-hmm. and Denise Lynn. There's Stephen Farmer, Carolyn Miss, um, <laughs> you know, and you have sixty more. <laughs> yeah, so, I do. As we and as um, as we start wrapping up the conversation, I just looked at the clock. Oh my God, I had no idea we were chatting so long. It's been so much fun. Um, any final thoughts on how that how we can use these to make sure we do not let ourselves down by deceiving ourselves? Because that's the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. So then you lose faith in the whole process. You do. The pendulum, again, is another great way to get verification. So when I read something and I feel like I understand it, I will ask the pendulum, do I, you know, to what percent do I understand the answer here? And if I only get... 50% 50% or worse, 10%, I go, oh my God, well, however I'm seeing it is not what higher guidance intended. So then I'll ask, can I get another clue? Something else to tell me, uh, how should I be looking at this? Um, when I finally uh, get 100%, yes, I've got it, then, all right, I've got the understanding, I go on to the next one. Sometimes I'll even douse with my pendulum to find out if I'm even asking the right question. Right. So again, that is our most mighty yeah. little tool. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I have so much respect. I always have had so much respect for your work. We became friends after I interviewed you the first time, maybe 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago after you'd written Hiring the Heavens. And I just have such admiration for the depth of your ability to continue asking questions. You don't ever stop. And I mean, I find that I find it personally very inspirational. So I wanted everybody to have a chance. I've interviewed you before for CMN and once for Gaia, mm-hmm. but for new people to have a chance to become familiar with you. And one thing you do is you also teach um, life coaches mm-hmm. and people in all kinds of professions how to use their higher um, intelligence or higher intuition for their businesses and for their lives and such. So um, what's the best What's the best website? Gene Slater at GeneSlater.com, CreativeMystic.com, any of those. You have have a few of them, and they all kind of take you to the same place. So people can get involved with you on a personal level or in uh, with some of your teachings. So, Gene, thank you for spending your Sunday morning with me. I am so (laughs) pleased. Stay curious. Yes, that's the message. Stay curious. (laughs) Until next time, thank you for joining us here on BeginaMeredith.com.